Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Bashmania podcast. Today, we have my good friend, Bash Solutions client, and Penn State alum, Frank Molinaro, the Gorilla Hulk, on the show. Frank is a guy that, whether you're a Christian, a wrestler, an athlete, or all of the above, Frank is a guy you want to have a conversation with. He gives everything he has to all that he does, and that includes the conversations he has. I really think a lot of you guys are going to walk away today with with some knowledge and and some golden nuggets for sure. So let's jump right into this conversation. But before we do, let's jump into the intro. It's Bashomania. Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do? What Bashomania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. business just picked up here on the podcast oh yeah the gorilla hulk how are you frank doing great so last time we really spoke you were in virginia tech now you're at oklahoma correct yep correct before we kind of go back a little bit to young frank tell me how the transition to oklahoma has been because we've been talking a while i was just telling you this before we we hopped in this like we haven't caught up in a while so i'm curious how is oklahoma going well it's been going really well i think i kind of fell behind a little bit in 17 18 and uh you know i was starting to kind of question myself whether i could do it or not so coming here was a little bit out of the box you know because i was already coaching college and you know this was kind of a step to really go all in on competing for the remainder of my career versus trying to chase two rabbits. So I took the chance. It was outside the box. You know, I was highly, highly recommended by people that I believe in, you know, the most recommended coach Roselli. And they really believe that his system would work well with me. And, you know, it was hard at first because we were kind of thrown, I was thrown in late December and it was a short year, you know, then I only had till the U S open and the trials. And I definitely saw some of the things that I had been working on. But now being there for almost a year, you know, I'm getting closer to being there for a full year. It's really kind of validated some of the things that I've been working on. And it's a different, it's not completely different from the Penn State system or any other system out there. But, you know, the one thing is Coach Roselli is an animal and and he'll outwork anybody. And uh, having him fully invested in my wrestling has really benefited with the details and preparation. And and you're an extremely detail-oriented guy. So that was part of... Right, right. We never really got to catch up after you decided to step down from from coaching. And it made sense. I mean, Burroughs did the same thing. He started coaching at Nebraska, and he's like, you know what, like this full-time head coach, assistant coach, it doesn't matter. This coaching is a full-time gimmick, and I can't focus on competing while I'm still doing this. Was it something that happened right away that made you want to kind of step down from coaching? Or was it something you were thinking about 
praying about? Did, did it kind of happen slowly? Like, how did that happen? Man, to be completely honest, when I lost the um, world team trials in Minnesota, I was devastated, you know, because I'm always assessing myself. And yep. um, at that point, you know, I still believed that I was going to be the best. And that was kind of like my Popeye moment where I was like, all right, that's enough. I'm either done wrestling or I'm all in, you know, and I don't really do well in between. So that particular moment was probably the crucible moment where I really started to recognize that if I had to take myself to the next level, I had to, you know, do the necessary things that I had to start thinking outside the box. And it it was not an easy decision to stop coaching and to leave the guys at Virginia Tech. And I still try to help a lot of those guys even to this day and talk to them on the regular, you know, but I really enjoyed helping them. But at the same time, you know, Jordan Burroughs is the best wrestler in the world. He recognized that, you know, he can't be wholeheartedly focused on becoming the best wrestler in the world when he's also, you know, still obligated to other things. Right. So that was kind of the, the one thing that set me over the edge. And, you know, I think I, I kind of just needed a change. I feel like, um, you know, my wrestling was really kind of, I wasn't really like learning anything at the, at the time. I, I kind of, you're becoming stagnant right stagnant right so let's back up a little bit because to to give people some context so talking about little frank you you grew up in new jersey what got you started in wrestling going back so i started wrestling when i was four years old i tried like every sport i could and wrestling was one of the sports they offered at the the rec program it was like football wrestling and my parents took me in there and just kind of the only thing i can remember is i just wanted to do headstands the whole practice (laughs) for some reason (laughs) on the wall i don't know why (laughs) that was it though (laughs) yeah so did you watch like pro wrestling like wwe at all did that factor in at all actually i mean i did watch pro wrestling but i think what really factored in is I felt like even when I was younger, I was I felt pretty strong, and I was a little bit shorter than most of the kids in my class. I always felt like, you know, wrestling was a good niche for people like me. Yeah, it's funny because I mean I started wrestling like junior high and high school, and it was never any good. But I started wrestling um, because of the fact of pro wrestling, like watching that, and then I was like, man, this is wrestling teaches you so much, like the discipline. The, the commitment it takes is just incredible. So, okay, so you start wrestling at four. Right on. You, you burn energy. And then when did you start getting good? When did you realize that? I mean, if you fast forward to high school, you beat now gold medalist Burroughs in the state finals. But when did you know, like, Jersey is tough. Don and I talk about this all the time, that, like, Jersey – in Ashland, I actually talked about that winning a, a a championship in Jersey at any level, it's almost like it's winning two or three elsewhere. So that's an accomplishment. But before that, when did you know that you were good? Honestly, like this might sound silly, but I remember when I was a kid and I was at this club. It was called the Hammer, and it was run by Damian Hahn's dad, and he basically just ran it so Damian would have good training. And he allowed, like, a few middle school kids that could handle the training to be in there. So I was fortunate enough to be in the club. And this one, I would go with this one kid almost every day. 
it was like two, three times a week I'd try to go with him every practice because he'd beat me so bad. And I just kept trying to figure out how to beat him. And I was still at the time, like, I wasn't like a state champ. I was like qualifying for states, maybe take like seventh place or something like that. And this kid was the best of the best at the time. And I remember the one day, like, in the middle of the practice, I did something and I countered him on one of, like, the hardest scrambles. And then for the rest of the practice, I just took his soul and scored, like, 100 points on him. And then he never, <laughs> never beat me again for the rest of his life. High school. Really? After in college, we wrestled at, like, clubs. I won't mention his name, but he never beat me again after that day. So then after that day, I feel like that was something I really chased after. I really felt that transformation, the feeling of, you know, kind of breaking through or jumping levels in my own life and my own mindset. That was, like, something I chased after from that day and then i'm assuming from a standpoint of once you get into being that good at the high school level now we know how it played out went to penn state won a national championship were you being heavily recruited like i i don't know if you and i ever talked about that like how heavily recruited were you being i know everybody in jersey who's really good gets heavily recruited i just never heard the story of your recruiting yeah, I wasn't. I mean, I was a three-time state champ. I didn't do any summer wrestling. I never wrestled freestyle until I graduated college. So, you know, the, if you weren't really on that circuit, you know, you weren't really a national recognized athlete. I was ranked like 13th, I think, maybe overall at high school. But I had a good bit of schools. When I went to Jeff Jordan's camp, I met with Penn State, and they were just pretty blunt with, you know, what they were offering and at the time, like, I mean, that was my number one choice. I wanted to be in the Big Ten. It was a good distance from New Jersey. It's in, you know, a great wrestling state, great tradition. So when they, it was right then and there, it was like a done deal. But I, at the time, I still really liked Wisconsin and Maryland. I think Pat Santoro was there at the time. Um, and a few other schools, Wisconsin and Maryland were up there. But, you know, Penn State was a no-brainer, being in the Big Ten and who they are and what they represent. For me. Yeah, no, for sure. And then when I, – I, I know how important Christianity is in, in your life. Yeah. And I know firsthand from spending time with you at your house, in the weight room, like I, I've seen how much you rely on God. And I remember how much we talked about this after the, the 16 Olympic trials where you're the ninth yeah. seed. You run through the bracket. You run through the gauntlet. You – win the tournament, and then you're still not in, in the Olympics yet. Then you end up getting the weight qualified when you're on the golf course. Like, such a such an in, incredible uh, – I can't think of the word. It, the, there's such strong evidence of your faith in your career. But when did that start? Was it back in high school? Was it after? Like, when did that start really playing into it? In 2015, you know, that was – there were specific – circumstances and things that led me to Christ but from that point on it was it really just it took over you know the day I put God first and it wasn't like something where oh yeah you know when when I have time I'll do my God stuff when God became the number one in my life everything changed and and what you were you know what you're saying like all the events that happened you know that just shows God's faithfulness when you believe in him and you put him number one and, you know, I'm grateful that God used me to be able to to accomplish that. And I pray every day that I can use my faith and use my platform for the, for 
good opportunities. That's why, you know, that kind of motivates me to win. I'm not motivated to get more, you know, followers or get more money. At, at the end of the day, I don't really care about those things. You know, the biggest thing that I care about and the biggest thing I'd like my kids to get out of me is how important it is to have faith in your life, faith in God, and to build your foundation on that because that's the only thing that lasts. Yeah, well, without a doubt, my my whole life, like everything good that yeah, I have is just you're I, a I I <laughs> I try, and everything I have is like because people ask like oh, how'd you do this, how'd you do that, like I didn't go to college, well, what'd you do? Well, I gave my life to Jesus, and everything from there seemed to that. just fall into place. You know what I mean? Like the few things I did were the Amen. right things, yeah. and how how has that? So to to complete the circle. Three time state champion jersey, you kill it. You get recruited to, to the best school in the country, Penn State. You win a national championship. You go down to Rutgers as an assistant coach, come back to Penn State. Um, Olympic trials was nuts. You, you're on the Olympic team. Such a crazy ride there. What, what, and how does your faith tie into it? What is your mindset going into? 2020 now like you're you're right there you you i think anybody could flip a coin and it could land on frank molinaro being the guy at the olympics knowing you you've been there you 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 you've been the guy in the team and you've seen the roller coaster how has that impacted your mindset now going into 2020 well for one the experience in 2016 is i mean just irreplaceable nothing can really take its place than the actual experience of successfully winning the trials and going through the whole process and you know the highs and lows and getting as close as I really thought I physically could at that time I think that has really helped um, my preparation going into it but man for me the the reoccurring theme and how it ties into my faith it's all about finishing strong you know I didn't like start wrestling freestyle just to make a team or or just to say I'm an Olympian to be honest you know God God put the itch on my heart that I could be an Olympic champion and he's never let me down in anything so I have no reason to believe anything else and even you know even this year probably the first year where I didn't get first place where I can honestly say like walk away from it holding my head high proud of my effort proud of my progress proud of how I rebound it from where I was. I was, you know, that, that was a hard task in itself. And that was, you know, that was very big accomplishment. So I'm right on track where I need to be. If you looked at where I was at in 25 or 2016, I lost the Medved first round. If you look this year, I lost first round. So, I mean, nothing has really changed in that sense. I'm still kind of the same position, but to me, it's all about, it's all about timing. It's all about timing. The closer I get, you know, the more focused I get, the more I can eliminate all distractions in my life and just focus on God. And that's the safest place to be for me going into into something as big as Olympic trials. You know, when I'm in a state of thankfulness and a state of God and I don't have any distractions in my life, good things happen when I'm in that place. And I know, I mean, the the very least, I know that it's not how you, you start, it's how you finish. And I've believed in that my whole life. That's what I built my whole career on. That's I was eighth, fifth, second, first. That's what I believe in. And that's why I work hard every day because I think consistently 
you know, you keep putting yourself out there, you keep losing, you keep taking losses, taking heartache, public failure, embarrassment. If you truly want it bad enough, you'll find a reason why you'll do it. You know, you'll find a reason to make it happen. Otherwise, you'll find an excuse and you'll give up. And I'm not ready to do that yet because God started this thing in me and I just, I believe he'll finish it, Justin. That's just being honest. Yeah. Not cocky. It's, no, for it's sure. It's my faith in God, not uh, myself. Correct. My faith in God. And, and I think, you know, especially Christians know that when somebody proclaims something, they're not saying it out of ignorance. They're saying yeah. they're saying it because right. there there's a faith that I believe God is going to do this. And you know, like Job, if if some if something goes goes away, okay. Well, I don't understand this, but I still had faith that this was going to happen. And when you're yeah. on the journey there, of course you're 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 wrong if you don't. I don't want to say you're wrong, but you're you're. You're cheating yourself if you don't have the faith that you know you have what it takes to do it and that it can happen. For Forget right. how likely it is or not. You have to believe it can happen or um, you're not going to do it. So how much does that then – Is do you find it easier to just kind of let things be and say, I've been here before, I'm not going to stress out this time, or – do you kind of try to analyze and tweak the small things? Like what's the balance like for that? Oh man, the balance is like a serial killer. I mean, you got, you got to focus on every single detail. And now being that the difference in 2016 was me being, you know, that last 20% that I skimmed on in the past, taking care of my weight control, taking care of my cardio, taking care of my sleep, taking care of everything, you know, when I cleaned all that up, what a difference it made. So, you know, now I really believe in that stuff. So the, the details are critical. You know, I, I can't leave, I don't walk away from, I'm always trying to assess myself and I don't walk away from the world team trials, you know, not critiquing four or five things that I know I could get better at. And now that I'm in a great environment and I have, you know, really good coaches behind me and I really, and I'm, really good culture. You know, I'm really driven to fix those things. So now it's just a lot easier. You know, when you're, when you have enthusiasm and you know, you can see the end of the tunnel for me, it's like, you know, I got, this is it for me. This is my last chance. And I think it's at a peak year where my body and my mind are in sync with each other. So it 100% can be done. And there's many examples in the Bible and life and people's testimonies that you know if anything is possible if you can read all the self-help books in the entire world but if you don't believe in yourself none of them will work so god gives me that confidence to believe in this thing and i think he also helps guide me and direct me in the right directions you know because that's kind of where i stay grounded whenever i get a little bit too high God brings me back down to that line. And whenever I get a little bit too low and negative, God brings me back up to that line. So it really is guided by God. You know, when I focus my attention to God, then all of a sudden I'm doing the right things. I'm, I'm having the right ideas. I have the right enthusiasm. So it all starts with God. I yep. think that's the real, the real ingredient that you can't, that you can't lack no, you know, your it, passion. It, and that's it's the funny. one, that's the one thing. It, it, it's funny too because 
in a sport like wrestling, it almost as you talk, I'm thinking like, man, Yanni grew up five minutes from me. I love Zane. Oliver was in the podcast last week. Anthony Ashnell was in the podcast a couple weeks ago. Like you guys all have such a passion that at being close to you guys sucks in the capacity of when you guys wrestle, I don't even want to watch because it, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's so like I, I can have a conversation with you or Zane or Yanni or Ashnell, Oliver, and you guys all want it so bad. I can't imagine how much you have to just focus on God because otherwise you get so distracted. You start thinking about everybody else. And yeah. I mean, maybe that's why one of many reasons I was never a, a good athlete was I don't know how to just not focus on my opponent. And this kind of forces you to. Like, you have to. You'll get so distracted, you'll never make the starting lineup if you're worried about the other guy. And I imagine that only amplifies when you're at a level like this when you're talking the Olympics. You're talking the pinnacle of sports. Every guy that's at the trials wants this thing, and it's their dream. Like Anthony Ashnell, Jordan Oliver, Zane, Yanni. These guys grew up wanting the same dream is you how do you stay focused on just having that goal does it like is it a daily thing like how often do you take into consideration when you're thankfully like i'm always like yeah i don't care if my competitor wins great the marketing space is big i got a successful agency i don't care but you it's like no your competitor is literally just your competitor how do you stay focused on just looking at the prize ahead and not get distracted by like competitors or what this person's doing or what this person says like what's the mindset there to just stay looking ahead and maybe it's that looking ahead yeah well i think another key component is also you know you're a product of your environment and my coach is he's an olympian i mean he coached like i told you he's an animal he coached kyle snyder he coached logan sieber so he you know and he is obsessed with wrestling he wakes up this whole day revolves around being the best, you know, wrestling team we can be and, and being having the best wrestling skills, etc. So every day I wake up, you know, he redirects my focus. He redirects my thoughts and, and my mind and gives me the right perspective. And, you know, he doesn't just tell me what I want to hear. Same thing with, you know, Coach Guerrero and, and other coaches. that I have. He's another Olympian, you know. So I've got two Olympic re- wrestlers who have been there, done that, you know, who are 100% invested in my success and helping me and pouring into me every single day and, and observing everything I'm doing and criticizing me. And I, and I can take the, the criticisms, you know, I, I'm glad to be able to have that. So that helps a lot. You know, also people like Bruce Burnett, you know, having people like that in my life that I can call and say, Bruce, what the heck am I doing here? Right. I, and he'll tell me, you know, listen, you're 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 scoring the same amount of points that you did in 2016 as you did in 2018, except you're getting scored on more. You know, you used to be impossible to score on. So then, you know, he'll let me know what the real deal is. And Coach Lou, he'll let me know what the real deal is. So, Justin, that gives me a lot of confidence knowing that the people that are giving me the, you know, pumping into me every single day that they know. Like that they know and they know where I need to be mentally and physically. So I trust my coaches. Not, you know, I think number one is you trust God yep. and, you know, cause God's gonna, God's gonna only lead you to good things and you trust your coaches. And then at the end of the day, you know, you have to 
believe that it's you know that you're the one, and that's on you. And, and I and imagine that's, and too, that's like really a, a good opportunity. That's a good thing. Yeah, it's totally. A good thing to have that pressure. And it sounds like it fo- it forces you so much to just focus on getting better that there's no time to look at competition there's no time to look at what other coaches are doing there's no time to look at other strength and training conditioning programs there's no time for it i think like we can look at them and we could always like just take bits and pieces and put them into our system you know but we can't just like keep losing and then jumping ship and you know rechanging our whole system that's never going to really that's never going to work yeah, and so, I yeah. how, how then has your well, here's the other side of it too. And again, this is not to sound cocky, but yeah. When you when you know, you know, you know. So if you can't step out and wrestle someone 100 times and have the sniffles or feel crummy that day or have a bad weight cut or have no energy and you still can't beat them, then keep training. Yeah. Keep training. And so keep training and keep getting uncomfortable and keep suffering. And eventually, if you keep showing up, you know, you can really fix a lot of those things. You can correct those things and condition yourself to have the right responses. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it really is important, those details, and, like you said. And how different, without <laughs> giving too much away, how different is your training now than it, than it has been in the past? Because since Penn State, you've never stopped training relentlessly. So I've watched you train. Right, right. I mean, I've trained with you at Penn State. I've seen you training at Rutgers. Like I've seen you training at Virginia Tech. How how different is your training in 2020 or leading up to 2020 than it was leading up to 2016? Is it just harder, or are you trying to take different approaches? Yeah. Um, so I think number one is just being so intentional. And yeah. carefully planned. When I say carefully planned, I just mean that, you know, everything was thought out. Everything from the start to the finish, you know, and, and, and always focusing on the details. And, result, I mean, Oklahoma, it's only going to be a matter of time until they're making a huge splash in the NCAA. Because when you train as hard as they do, as, you know, I say we, because I'm there now. I've been doing the same yeah. system, all the workouts. When you train as hard as we do, you know, I think that good things will happen and, you know, good things will happen to you. And whatever that is for you, I'm sure that it's something you'll, you'll be proud of. But it's not a lack of X's and O's, 100%. It's never going to be a lack of X's and O's. Coach, you know, Roselli has a great system. He built the RTCs. You know, he, he was the first, like, leading, leading the pack with the RTCs. And then Nittany Line Wrestling Club, we followed, and then now all of a sudden everybody has them. But they had a successful RTC, and eventually it built into a successful national championship program, and now they're a perennial powerhouse. And, you know, he, he led the charge for that all, all the years when it started. He was uh, doing the training and everything, so he does a great job with that. I think that's... Do you, uh, do, I do, lost do, it. Do do you have long term aspirations then to to stay in Oklahoma? Like that's a whole other factor. That like you're married with, with little kids at home, and your wife follows you to these schools to pursue your dream. Like that's got to mean yeah. so much. Like I know that 
I'm getting married here in a month, and already not even being married, just being engaged and having such a solid relationship, it impacts me in such a solid way. Like I imagine that's a great thing too, to again, to keep you grounded. Like I remember when I was talking to Burroughs about it, like, you know, I loved at Final X, like he's walking up and he's kissing aura and beacon on the forehead like i i had chills i had yeah, tears like it, it's it, it's such great. it's such a different perspective because you don't see that how how different is that like to because i wanted to go for a second in, into like post 2020 and whether you're staying in oklahoma or there's that but i'm curious of like what's the impact of your kids and your wife as you lead up to tokyo yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's been really a great impact. I always, you know, wrestlers are just great people in general. You know, obviously I'm biased. I'm a wrestler. But having my kids around the college kids at all the places that I've ever been to has always been a positive experience. You know, just the way they interact with them, um, the leadership skills that they just show. And so that's that's been really good in, in a sense. It's been they were still really young, you know, when we moved in the beginning. And now it's like, now it becomes more of an issue because they're a little bit older and now they really like it here and they have good routines and structure. And again, the, the kids on the Oklahoma wrestling team too, you know, they're, they, they got a great culture, you know, they're bright kids. They work hard. They show up every day, morning, afternoon, twice a day, you know, they work their tails off. They, you know, and, and they're good kids. So I'm grateful to be able to have my kids, you know, just be able to come into the wrestling room, be around some of the best wrestlers in the country. That's been a blessing. It's definitely been challenging for my wife, you know, and, and she's, she's a savage, you know, she wants us just as bad as I do. That's, you know, people, you know, they don't see behind the scenes, but you know, she's really my better half. And she's always the person that's telling me, you know, what to do and what not to do. And, you know, guiding me and having some grace on me and motivating me. But she has been totally supportive, you know, because she believes that, you know, my full potential is winning. And I got it. And she believes she believes in it. And I got to add some context because I realized I didn't. When when you were on the Olympic team and you go to Rio in 2016, you have one son at home and a second being born while you're gone. So you're... Yeah, oh you, gosh. So I, I'm like just remembering this now. Like you you get to <laughs> Rio with your wife nine months pregnant. So such two totally different situations and, and both so impactful. Like you're 16 Olympics. You have, you have one kid when you're leaving... Your your second child's being born while you're gone, and now here leading up to 2020, you have three little ones at home. Like both are such like strong, um, such big needs. Like three little kids. Yeah. I, I imagine that takes so much of your time too. That as you're focusing on being the best wrestler you can, you're, you're focusing on being the best dad you can, and the best role model you can, and the best husband you can. Yeah, I mean. It's, it's really, it's definitely been challenging and I've failed at it quite a bit. You know, I think ultimately though, my wife and I, we've learned and made adjustments, you know, recalibrate it and changed our lifestyle a little bit and just kind of learned along the way. But 
it's been very challenging. I, I think at the end of the day, you know, no matter how hard it gets or how dark it gets sometimes and, you know, I just burned out and when I'm really tired and at a low or low point, it's just such a blessing, you know, yeah. to have three healthy boys and to have the opportunity every day to impact them and, you know, love them and, and help them, help them grow and steward them through this world and lead them to Christ. So it's just nothing really uh, supersedes, whatever the word is, nothing can surpass yep. that joy that it brings me. So as hard as it has been, uh, it's been a blessing. And also, I think in the beginning, I kind of made it an ex- excuses because of it, you know, that I had didn't have the energy and um, that I, you know, I was stretched too thin and all of these things. And I don't know, I just kind of got tired. Of, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, yeah. as Roselli says. And I did something about it. it and how has that, that changed your mindset? It was a battle. It really just seasoned me and conditioned me to suffering. <laughs> I do. I you think seasoning is a great word. Like you said that. I'm like, oh, dang, he's right. Like yeah. seasoned. Like nothing yeah. replaces being seasoned with something. And like going through stuff, like even having my agency 11 years, going through things I've gone through, there's no replacement yeah. for that. And it's not just experience. It's what it's it's one thing to have experience. It's another of what that experience does to you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is taking responsibility for all of it. When I say all of it, your thoughts, your decisions, what you let impact you, what things you let into your mind or into your life, and then understanding that you're responsible for your response. Yeah, You're responsible for your response, you know, and how you respond to adversity and who you are when things are really tough, I think it impacts you in the long run. And like, you know, you've been in the business for 11 years and I'm sure like there's things that went terribly wrong. And if you would have did this, it wouldn't have happened. But in the end, ultimately like suffering through some of that stuff has made you better at business and better at, you know, the growth of the company. Totally. It was good for you. Totally. And it sucks. Like it's, I'm never going to downplay how much it sucks when you're going through something and when God's refining you, it it sucks, but, but, but at the same time there, I think as a Christian, especially when you know, you're being refined in a fire, there's something about going through a trial and having like, Maybe it's a side smirk. You kind of have like that side smirk emoji face that it's like, this sucks and this is arguably the worst I've ever felt, but I can't wait to see how God uses this and who else is ministered yeah. through me through this situation. Because I've seen like there, there's nothing, especially for being a Christian, there's absolutely nothing like going through something see, and, and coming out of it, what, good or bad, coming mm-hmm. out of it seeing somebody else going through it and being able to minister to them and say, I've been there. There's something very yeah. powerful when you've been in a situation. And I think when you've experienced that a number of times, you can then, you're received so much difference. And there's such a reverence when somebody says, no, I've been there. It's one thing to like have empathy for somebody. It's another when you've been mm-hmm. there. And it's so interesting when yeah. something like that seasons you. And it's so interesting that you use that word seasoned. It's so it's amazing when something like an experience can season you, and, and I, I'm so curious now to see. Like I can't wait. When do you wrestle? When's the next? 
The- uh, my next tournament's gonna be at the Continental Cup. Okay. And, I'm, and I'll, I'm still about a month away from that till I compete. But yeah, I feel really good right now. I'm very healthy, strong, and uh, I think kind of going back to the one question we talked about. You know, things that I was focusing on without giving too much. The first was, you know, my training plan, obviously, doing yep. the right things. And and the second was my fight, because yeah. um, I think that's the most important thing, is your fight. And there's a lot of things that uh, influence that, like how hard you work in practice. You're only going to fight as hard as you work. So making sure that, you know, when 2020 comes around, that my new normal is at a completely new level. So in order to do that... Which, by the know, way, I'm is just, scary. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's a wrestling fan, they know how intense you are. Like they've seen the matches, they've seen the blood battles that you've gone through. To as I sit here and think about, like when you say, you know, basically I'm going to be more intense. I'm picking it up. Like I think back to like you beating Reese Humphrey in the last like nine seconds and and the explosiveness <laughs> that you have. Like thinking of taking that to another level is just like whoa. <laughs> what are we in for? Yeah, well- well, that's what I'm saying. You know, I, that's what I'm trying to cultivate right now. Because at the end of the day, that's what makes me a winner is my fight and grit and, you know, being strong and explosive. But the main thing is the fight. And, you know, I, I thought there was times it's been a journey. You know, I certainly had some highs and there were some lows. And, you know, I questioned myself to the point where I needed to see some results in myself or I was going to just pull myself out of it. So finding that fight, you know, has has even been a little bit challenging a little bit later on in my career here getting to the end but i think that's what's kind of brought a lot of the enthusiasm back into my training and just feeling really good i think it's just getting that fight back you know at the end of the day the olympic trials is an insanely hard tournament anybody who wins 65 74 86 and you know any of those weights really but anybody who wins those weights 57 they're going to be on point, completely focused, and they're going to outfight everybody. They're going to show up to the tournament that day and believe they have already won. And in some cases, there might be multiple weight classes where people show up and they wholeheartedly believe that they already won. So right. what it will come down to is the fight. You know, Because at some level, everybody is going to do their best version of themselves. They're all going to train. Everyone's going to be in great shape. You know, But when you really got to bite down on your mouthpiece and pick the guy up and slam him down to score. I think that's, you know, I, I fear that guy because it comes down to fight. It's the, the margins are so thin at that tournament that I really think that having a seasoned mind, as we said, or a callous mind is more, I, I don't want to say, I think it gives you more of an advantage yeah. you know, at the end of the day. That, that gives you the biggest advantage is having a seasoned mind because body everyone's going to be on point everyone is coming out of the woodwork for the olympic trials you know but whoever gets their mind right gets themselves in the right state of mind and truly believes they're going to win and has the motivation to outlast everyone and outfight them they'll win the tournament you know and, and that's and i think also another factor is whoever can you know have that laser beam focus on game day yeah and uh, that's something that I, that's something that i believe is a gift from god i think that when all of the pressure is on, it's been a pattern throughout my entire career. If you look back to when I won my first state title, 
you know, when all the pressure was on and I was back into a corner, that's when I did my best wrestling. So, you know, it gives me a lot of motivation to actually know who I am now. Been through enough, I've been through enough failure and enough success to know who I am. And I think uh, at the end of the day, that fight, that's, we'll, we'll be bringing the fight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And a, f- a few more quick things, and I'll let you go spend time with your family. So, you know, you said something interesting too, which there there was times when there there were times when you almost maybe threw in the towel. You said, "I don't know if I want to do this." Yeah. Talk me yeah. through that. Talk me through how you don't like. L- let's say somebody's listening right now who wants to throw the towel in. Tell them how yeah. you didn't throw the towel in why or what or how or any any tidbit you can give on how not to throw the towel in or why not to yeah and and this is like goes for anybody non-sports related you know it can get dark sometimes in your own mind in some people's life and they want to throw the towel in but the moral of the story is first thing is you have to recognize that when you feel that vulnerable and you're in that place you know go to the people that you trust the most go to your family Go to God, go to the people that have, you know, believed in you your whole life and have always wanted your best interests at heart. You know, I I had to let those people know. And that was my dad and my coaches like, hey, guys, something's not right. I don't feel motivated. I don't feel like I'm the best. I don't have the answers. And that was the first that was the first step. And, uh, you know, the second step was maybe getting some cold, hard facts. You know, and that had to come from the people that I love. You know, only they ever in that respect to to kind of tell me those kind of things. So that's my first place is, you know, vulnerability. Surround yourself with good people. Go to, you know, your relationships in your life. And at the end of the day, you know, you can always go to God. So and that when takes it was a... really bad. Go ahead. But But to be honest, you know, even when I lost in Belarus, you know, before I had lost, I thought I was in a a better place, more secure, like I was going to win, you know, so that was a really discouraging loss. Cause that was like 10 steps back. Right. And, uh, I just remember, you know, I gave it some time, but that's another thing too. You know, I think a lot of times you can't make decisions, you know, when you're too high or too low. So you have to get, you have to recalibrate and get yourself balanced, you know, before you can truly make the best decision, you can't make an emotional decision. So, I gave myself some time and I really thought about it and prayed about it and then weighed it. And I didn't try to just tell myself what I wanted to hear or fill in the blanks. I really didn't have an answer. And, you know, that spark, you know, and that fire that came back in me, it all started with God. It started with praying that, you know, he could bless me with that enthusiasm and give me the right ideas and, you know, show me the way to do this thing. And if it's not, then show me my next career, show me my next job, show me my next opportunity because, you know, I don't want to waste people's time. I don't want to waste my family's time or my wife's time chasing something that, you know, I'm not wholeheartedly believing. So praise God. And it's interesting, too, because it's funny, as, I, as I'm kind of dissecting what you're saying and, you know, putting myself in your shoes, it, it's funny. When you're at your lowest and you're ready to throw the towel in, it it gets even harder because you now have to make yourself extremely vulnerable. You have to go to people, mm. like you just said, you got to go to God, you got to go to the people you trust most, and you got to be vulnerable. 
You got to be real. You yeah, can't you have do. a pity party. You got to go in humility and say, Dad, I this, or Coach, I that. Like, it takes a level of vulnerability that's like, okay, I just failed. I have to double down on myself, and I know the right thing to do is to be more vulnerable, which is hard. But but look at the payoff. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, man, so here this guy is, like, at his darkest, and he now has to go humble himself. And, and I've had to go humble myself. So I know the vulnerability it takes. I know what it takes right. to, to, to do that. And it's like, man, you're you're at your darkest, and it's like, okay, I'm at my lowest. Now what? Well, now go humble yourself and make yourself vulnerable. Like that's nuts. Like that that's powerful. Thanks. Yeah, that's a good good way to put it too. I so, think that pays off. Yeah, it's so much so. So, and then you know, you say like it's interesting too because the last thing I was curious about is is your plans long term. You know, how long you want to be at Oklahoma for? Um, and it's interesting you said like even when you're at your darkest, like there's still that thought like God. What's my next opportunity? Is that your same thought process, like heading into the Olympics? Like, win or lose, either way, I feel like it's still you go to the Olympics next year or you don't. Either way, I feel like the next move, either after a loss at the Olympic trials or after a win or a loss at the Olympics, I'm imagining, knowing you, your move is all the same. It's, okay, God, I accomplished this goal. What's next? Is that the mindset? Yeah, I think more specifically, you know, is I'll coach wrestling. That's kind of my passion. You know, even not knowing what it's, – it's actually, you know, challenging too, like not knowing what's going to be my plan next. Yeah. Because you know, I'm such a planner. Such a planner. Yeah, so are you. you're I mean, like you me, like very analytical, everything right. Planned. Right. Right. So it just never ends. So not knowing is challenging, but – I know for a hundred percent fact that I can make an impact right now by trying to be the best version of myself around the Oklahoma guys and by really going after my goals wholeheartedly and any opportunity I get helping these guys in the meantime, you know, because that's what I want to do when I'm done. So ever, even since I've been competing and I've been on this journey, you know, I've never passed up a chance to try to pour into other people because, you know, really that, that's great. That's great motivation too. Cause there's no greater feeling than being a part of somebody else's success and helping totally. them. Dude, it's more th- rewarding. Helping them through trans. It's more rewarding. You know, I, th- I think, um, like Denzel I th- Washington said, reach one, teach one. Yeah. You know, that's and I interesting. like that. Yeah. I like that too, because it's funny. Like I've never had a success like you've had, but you, you've had, you've had enough success where like, uh, listen, I'm not going to have false humility. Like I've had some success in business, but when you yeah, look yeah. at the things that you've done, and and you look at all the accomplishments you have, you've you've won the Olympic trials, you've won a Pan American Championship, you've won the Grand Prix of Spain, you've won an NCAA championship, you've won a Big Ten championship. Like you've done so much, and to still sit there and say. It's more rewarding to help others. I think that speaks such volumes. You're not saying that as like a cop out for for not winning. Like you've won an no, array no, no, of no. championships, and you're saying to to give back and to pour into others is the most rewarding thing. And it's it's the truth. It really is, and I think it's all relative. I mean, it's me and you walked into a room. You know, I, I think what would really define us is you know who we are on the inside. 
Right. You know, not really like our external accomplishments, but like only Justin knows, you know, where Justin, what he's been through and what he's become and, you know, what he's over, overcome in his own mind, you know? So at the end of the day, like, you know, if you're, you're out there solving problems 24 seven, I'm trying to solve problems 24 seven. I think, you know, the one thing that we have in common is we're both doing it under the umbrella of God and in the benefit of God, which is, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think that, you know, whatever we do, whatever we're successful in, if we can use our, you know, what we're passionate about, our craft, to also help people in life, you know, if we can use wrestling or we can use uh, business to help people be more successful in life and help them have a relationship with God, that's a great success. That's the real success. Totally. You know, when, you, when you can be an impact, you know, I mean, only God can, can change people and only God can, you know, really make them believe. But if you can be a part of that and lead them to God, you know, there's something to be said for that as an accomplishment also. Dude, I think it's I think it's more so of an accomplishment. Like I don't care your level of success. It really is. I don't care if you're the president. I don't care if you're an athletic champion. I don't care if you're you know, like listen, I, I'm not that successful. Like I say I'm not gonna have false humility because God has blessed me with so much, but I, I've had minor success in, in, in business in some capacity, and I've seen firsthand the impact that I've been able to have on people based on the text messages, the emails, the the whatever that I received that I'm like Wow, that reached you that much? Like you take my word, yeah. and they're like, "Listen, it, it, I, I, somebody said it to me. I can't remember who, but it, it was like, listen, it, it's not that I, I take your word as absolute truth. It's that the way you worded it, I know God used you to speak to me. It's not you; it's God mm-hmm. through you, and that's a powerful thing. Like, there's nothing more powerful than that. Yeah, Amen. There's not. Yeah, wow. so I think like ultimately. Definitely, you know, when this this cycle is over, I want to jump, you know, straight into coaching and really kind of that, you know, then that will become my wholehearted focus, you know, and I kind of felt like it, enough was enough. You know, I, like I told you before, I couldn't cheat other people's time and cheat my own time. You know, I had to commit to one, you know, so I'm, I'm very excited about, you know, whatever opportunity is next and uh, and just being able to finally just enjoy, you know, being, being a servant yeah. and being on that side, being able to pour in other people. And, and don't get me wrong. I love waking up twice a day and going ballistic and working out, but <laughs> you know, it, it, to, to relax a second. Yeah, for sure. And there's a season for everything. So that's great. Well, listen, man, yep. I, I, I am so pumped for you to return to the mat next month. Definitely keep me posted. Anything I can do to help you, you know, I'm always here for you. And in the meantime, enjoy the process for sure. Thank you. Appreciate what you do, man. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. All right, bye. Didn't I tell you guys you'd walk away from that with some golden nuggets and some truth? Frank always delivers on every conversation he has, and that's truly a testament to his approach on everything he does in life. Frank Frank goes all in. He is, he talks about fight. He is one of the most intense all-in guys I know, and I'm pumped to watch him. I'm not happy that I have so many friends at this weight class. It's it's really not going to be a fun Olympic trials for me, selfishly. I'm rooting for all these guys. But, guys, that is today's show. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Bash Mania podcast, and we will be back soon. And the beat goes on.